Hi, I'm Matt. I'm Annie. And I'm Melissa. And together we want to welcome you to Still Great Bob. If this is your first time joining us, together we are watching AMC's Mad Men, trying to answer the question, is it Still Great Bob? This week we're discussing Season 3, Episode 7, 723, written by Andre Jackman, Maria Jackman, and Matthew Weiner, and directed by Daisy Von Schurler Mayer. This episode originally aired on September 27th, 2009. Uh, so the box office is going to sound familiar as last time, guys, because we actually said this week's box office last week. So uh, if you're having deja vu, that's why. The hit movies are at number one, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Uh, number two, Surrogates, a movie I do not remember at all. And Fame at number three. The hit song that week in September in 2009 was I Got a Feeling by the Black Eyed Peas. Yes, still. All right. This week on Mad Men, Don gets an offer from Conrad Hilton, but it comes with strings from Sterling Cooper. Betty gets politically involved, and Peggy entertains an offer. So how did we like this episode, folks? It was an episode. It was totally <laughs> an episode. I like I like this one a lot because things are things are happening. And another person who I suspected could be a ghost is back in the flesh. So <laughs> it's great. Um, I definitely want to talk about that at some point. But we still got a ghost in the episode, though. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Our <laughs> real Archibald Whitman maneuver. <laughs> um before we get like too deep into the real important stuff with Peggy, um, I want to laugh about how just spot on she was when she told Pete, stop coming in here and infecting me with your anxiety. <laughs> like what a dang <laughs> mood. And she said it out loud too, which I'm like, shout out Peggy. I love that for you. <laughs> Protect your space. <laughs> exactly. And I'm pretty sure just a lot of us tend to feel that way about Pete, but haven't put it into words before. And just like everyone who comes around. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so like our first flash of Peggy in this episode was her waking up in bed with an unidentified man. Uh, cut to her just being a good little worker in the office that morning, the morning before, sometime recently. How did you guys feel about the whole um, format, though, by the way, of starting with the flashes of what's to come and... Then kind of like skirt back to the beginning. I liked it. It was so dramatic. I thought for the hottest, the hottest of seconds that it was going to be Dawn in bed with Maggie. Uh. And then I was immediately like, no, that's not happening. But I just feel like you don't know who it is, but you can tell that it's like not a like super young gentleman, if you will. I didn't think it was. I didn't think it was going to be Duck. I knew it was Duck. <laughs> I knew it was Duck like just a little tiny bit before it becomes super, super clear that it's Duck, which we'll talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I guessed it around the time when he invited her to the hotel. Because <laughs> he had that that tone where you're like flir- flirting, 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 maybe. But it's also like- kind of how he just always talks since he started drinking again. But he's not drinking. He's off the booze. See? He like asks Peggy what she wants to drink. And she says, oh, I'll have what you're having. And he's like, I'm not having anything. So in my, I was like, oh, this is a sober duck decision. Okay, okay, okay. This is just the him with the switch in his head that uh, went back from like, quote unquote, sober to I'm going to wreck some shit now. It's 
I cannot explain the like <laughs> I'm trying to think of like a not crude way to just say that I was not uh interested in duck <laughs> from the way that he was like coming on to her like that was not no sometimes when people are like seducing someone on tv you like feel it and you're like oh yeah mm-hmm. i'm into it i'd you know i'd say yes i wouldn't i would have been like is it his approach or is it just because it's duck i don't know i it like i think that there was a way for the show to maybe convince me that Peggy would have wanted to like kiss Duck, but that this was not it. <laughs> not for me anyway. See, for me, it was just like even though it's Duck, I kind of get it because one, all these like men are being like that she works with are just like insecure little boys, and I'm so moody, and I'm mm-hmm. gonna tell you how to do stuff. And admittedly, in the end, he kind of maneuvers things into her wanting it and being fairly aware that she wants to be wooed in whatever way whether professionally or whatever but at the same time he does like at least give the appearance of giving her room to make a choice and telling her how amazing she is as opposed to like be grateful that you've made it this far yeah I mean I like that he said like he basically it's it it was a little bit I don't think that he is really like rescinding his professional offer but he made it he did make some like comment that made me feel like all right this is like a completely separate like interaction mm-hmm. yeah he shook her hand like all right you said no our business agreement yeah, our business, the business is over. situation has concluded now I'm still holding on your hand <laughs> but then he says there too is like Oh, I respect that decision. Okay, yeah, I'm holding on to your hand. But by the way, this is what our opportunity looks like, and you can't miss it, and blah, blah, blah. And then he segues into, you know, the the coming on to her and everything else. So I guess my question to the both of you is, was the job offer from Doc, and this him him talking about, previously about the uh, Peggy and um, Peter Dream team, was that all real, like, like, where did Duck decide he wanted to be romantically involved with Peggy? Like, was that in that moment? Or was this kind of a premeditated kind of long game throughout? And the, the Hermes scarf wasn't Don getting the um, golf clubs from a different ad agency in previous seasons. It's Don giving someone a fur coat. I truly have no idea. I'm sitting here and thinking the same thing. I just feel like we don't know Duck like well enough for that. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that the job offer was very real. But if it was tied into like some type of like romance idea that Duck had, that's what I can't really tell. I'm not even convinced it's really a romantic thing. Well, I mean, I guess I suppose it's in that I sort do of level kind of where feel like romance is a stretch. You think? I well, I, well, it's. <laughs> I don't know. The things that were said are just so disturbing to me that (laughs) it just it it fits into that weird place where some men are incapable of having any kind of um, relationship with a woman that isn't also somehow sexual. Um, And because I wouldn't it's not a 
platonic relationship it's a professional one sort of but at the same time there's so few women of power or like anything remotely resembling power that isn't a secretary in that he encounters but maybe also it's not that intentional and i'm over i'm giving them too much credit what i kind of found interesting and i don't know if i have an answer to my own question but when Peter comes in and they ha when Peggy has that great kind of, you know, retort of like, don't infect me with your anxieties. I can't remember what else Pete specifically says, but the whole gist of it is that Don and D Duck were rivals. Don won. And Peter has, in Peter's perspective, Peter and Peggy are like Don's like protégés or like are important to Don. Right, so Peter supposes that they are are pawns in in this this power play between, or this rivalry between, um, Duck and Don. Peggy very cleverly has noticed that Don gets a rival every, every season, with it season one it being Peter. Peter trying to be his rival, which is kind of funny there. But again, like we saw last season, we saw Don not dealing with his own stuff at all, lashing out at someone unfairly then it was peter it pushed peter into kind of duck's arms with the american airlines thing and we saw that play again where don stressed about the contract and the hilton stuff and everything else and then he kind of very very rudely put puts you know piggy in what he feels is her place and she should just be grateful with what she has and you know et cetera, et cetera. So I'm wondering if we're seeing that mirrored again. Is it going to be mirrored and then inverted later? Like, I don't, I don't know. I guess we'll have to keep watching. Mm -hmm. I was so frustrated with Don in that moment. Oh, for um, sure. Like, I know he just had a bad altercation with Roger right before it happened. But he's... He try, you know, and the show tries to play him off as super, like, stoic and everything and containing everything because he's so damaged. But he's so flippin' moody, and he definitely had a very different reaction to how Peggy uh, approached Don about the Hilton account versus Pete doing the exact same thing. Although Pete was probably more, you know, more forward and had less of the, oh, by the way, you need you to look at this thing that you don't actually need to first. But the, I mean, part of that is the, pro the part of the problem was that Pete was already in the room metaphorically and literally when it happened. Hmm. Well, I think part of the problem is also that just like the timing, because we I mean, Don makes this like comment to Peggy, like, oh, you're just going to come in here and ask me because, you know, I never say no. And I'm like, I don't really get why you would even say that, because it doesn't feel like that's the relationship that you two have. And it's like she has earned everything that she's gotten the same and even more so than like the Pete's and the whoever's. So that was like unfair, which leads me to believe that this is literally just like projection or like deflection or whatever, because Don asked for something aka not having to sign a contract and he's not getting that and so therefore nobody can get anything that they're asking for but that mm -hmm. hadn't happened yet when he didn't freak out on pete about it uh -huh. yeah and it's so clear to see after that you know elizabeth moss again doing beautiful work with her not remotely contained tears as she goes off and changes her mind of like yes i am gonna go see duck now 
yeah. die on your own worst enemy. Well, yeah, because it's like Peggy was so confident when she was talking to Pete about the duck offer. She was like, well, I'm very important here. So it's, I, you know, she had this like sense of like belonging at Sterling Cooper because she was like being supported by Don and he was so like you don't know who you're I guess from like a managerial perspective he like wasn't like wrong I guess like maybe she shouldn't have been asking for things but like that's the only way she's gonna get things the only mm-hmm. way she's ever gotten anything. So it's not that like it's it's not that you never say no. It's that you have to be prompted to give Peggy what she's due. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Duck is just out here being like, "Hey, offer money, compliments, and recognition." Oh yeah, he'll talent. give her whatever she wants, even if it's weird. <laughs> it's definitely weird. And he loves the morning. My literal notes say, "Please stop." <laughs> She looked fairly happy about it. So, you know what? Fine. Good for her. At least, like, Duck did express that she would enjoy herself. Uh, Yeah, true. True. I don't think a lot of the men in the show otherwise are just like, this is going to be a good time for you, too. Oh, Duck. So many conflicting feelings. (laughs) (laughs) Quack, quack, quack. She says, I love the taste of liquor on your breath. Please stop. It is sort of fascinating to glimpse at what Duck sees as aggressive flirting. <laughs> it, it, it's just a totally... It is, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. On a very literal, like, face value level, it's actually not creepy, but it is kind of. I don't know why I just find it horrifying. I think... <laughs> I think it's because we've seen so many different faces of Duck. Well, yeah, and, like, the man becomes unhinged. Like, when when the ultimate Don and Duck falling out happened, like, he pops off at work in a way that is just <laughs> not acceptable. So it's like, I don't trust you, sir. <sighs> yeah, we've had absolutely no insight whatsoever on his his. Plus, he left his fucking dog behind. So, like, you are not a loyal person. Ugh. <laughs> <sighs> But Chansey's okay, right? I. It's canon. That dog's living his best life. Oh yeah, sure. He, with the with the the new family, with his old new family. Okay, thank you. I needed new that. Family. He's he's upstate at a farm. But like a real one, he's got stability in his life now, which is what what Duck couldn't offer him, and that's why Duck left him huh? behind. And he's, and he's running in open fields and there's white picket thing that we're creating a picture here I, I love it thank you no Matt you're just making it sound sadder <laughs> well okay I'm gonna tie it back to Peggy so we're talking about we are making a bunch of jokes about how Doug could not offer his dog stability um but also like when Peggy says what do you want from me I I like really I get that he was like, oh, this is perfect. I'm going to say all sexual answers. That's going to be a very cool power move, which, okay, fine. But I really felt like she was saying, like, what is this in the big picture? Mm -hmm. Like, you are hitting on me, but you're, like, courting me professionally. I would like to get some lines drawn. And, like, the fact that he just blows right past an opening to, like, actually get the air cleared between them before they uh, go to the bedroom. I'm like, you're not the best. 
you're not offering Peggy a lot of emotional stability in this situation. <laughs> so where where do you see this going next for them? Oh my god, I can't. I don't know. <laughs> worst and best case scenario. Like worst case scenario is I have to watch a duck like try to seduce her five more times and their relationship is like very overtly sexual and I get to hear ducks say these things more times. That's worst case scenario. <laughs> best, best case scenario case. is yeah. that like Peggy feels very, very powerful from this experience that she just had and is like going back to Sterling Cooper to kick fucking ass and be like, hey, Don, don't fucking yell at me one more time. And also women love hotels. So I'm on this account. Good night. All right. <laughs> How... How do you feel about the comparison of Duck with Peggy versus Henry and Betty? This is for both of you. Um, I like Henry's style better. I don't love some of the machinations that I believe that he pulled with Betty. But we, yeah. Matt can answer, and then we can get more into that. Less of a leering kind of vibe. Yeah, like, I I liked his weird energy a little bit. Like, <laughs> when they met at the wedding, I was like, I feel uh, something about this. I'm not entirely sure. Um, I didn't remember that was the name of the wedding person. So when I saw his face, I was like, okay. <laughs> okay. Handsome um, older gentleman is back. Yeah, he's got like a more subdued vibe about him. <laughs> I still definitely think that he's got like ulterior motives. Obviously, look at Betty. Oh, man. Everything about Betty throughout this entire episode. I'm just like, why is she so amazing? A flawless. The opening scenes of Don riding the struggle bus and her <laughs> literally, literally feeling herself, herself on her fancy the, ass yeah. chase yeah. lounge. I'm so fucking here for it. I'm like, and yeah, Don, you struggle and Betty just... is just thriving. <laughs> she is, especially compared to... Like the first shot we see of her after that flash, and she's just so like hair is pulled back tight. She's all like, uh, you know, she just doesn't look nearly as happy and and <clears throat> comfortable with herself. I don't know. Everything is just tidy and pulled yeah. tight. Because Roger like pulled the rug out from under her a little bit. I think. I mean, ugh, I on one hand, I'm like, you can't be surprised that like Don has secrets like this isn't a surprising dawn thing but at the same time it's like again oh so the first scene we actually see her first time we see her after the flashback the first flashback is with the decorator but that too is oh another i moment. thought you meant at the oh, okay i thought you meant at the end when we see her with like the full context of the fainting couch in the house and then dawn comes home and she's like what about your contract dumb dumb <laughs> <laughs> I'm that with too. you now though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I um that's also pretty good. I like the comparison of her in that moment with Don um versus who she is at the beginning of the episode. It's just I like this for Betty. I Me like too. I I really like the moment when she is on the phone with Henry Francis 
Francis's or who's she on the phone with? I guess I don't know. She's super nice. She's handling her business. She hangs up the phone and then she just screams at the top of her lungs. Lunch. <laughs> she was calling like the se- his secretary or something, trying okay, to arrange yeah, yeah, yeah. a call. Yeah, he's and then, busy, like, and then he calls later, it. He calls yeah. back. Yeah, he ain't busy. The fuck back. He ain't busy. Okay, but wait, we got too far away from it, Matt. I want to hear your your feelings about the different vibes between Henry Francis and Duck. Oh, seduction techniques. So okay, so here's where because I have I have I have feelings and I had two very different reactions to the the contrasting approaches. And like what's Oh, I'm uh-huh. uh, okay. And what's interesting to me is like if you're looking at face value, one is way more direct and feels way more in some ways honest because it is direct it's on the face it's not you know coded and innuendo and and all of that whereas like a full disclosure the non-date date of meeting somewhere in a main on a main street usa somewhere grabbing coffee and then going for a hike in the hudson river valley sounds lovely please call me text me whatever i'll i'll meet you there once the borders open um but even then, even as it is kind of, you know, coded and he calls it right back away and it's like they do have a business reason in the context of politics and civil society and activism, and stuff like that to meet. And yes, that is what that meeting's about. But they both forget to bring who they thought they would bring. And like it's there feels like there's more of a, like a genuine connection there for me that is fun to watch and like even though it has a pretense that the duck and I mean, the duck and, and Peggy stuff might have a pretense. We're just trying to unpack that before, but like ducks approach totally lacking in pretense. Whereas this coffee interaction, and then they don't end up going hiking. It's like, yeah, it has this pretense. They are kind of playing parts, but there is a mutually agreed upon interest there that I enjoy watching and, and seeing on screen. And I am, into a little bit more as a viewer than the last you know approach that we mm-hmm. we had talked about and i and i think and i mean that whole idea of like pretense and do they or don't they or will they or won't they like that's tropey stuff that like i eat up anyways so i'm like in the show's pocket at, at this point but um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i did think there was like very first date vibes about it like in a in a more pure kind of sense for for Betty and Henry. Yeah, it's like the proto date, right? It's like the the date you go on that's the first date before you start dating. And it's like, do they like me? Do I like them? What is this? I I I'm curious, I'm fascinated, and it's like the to quote the great Taylor Swift sparks fly. Oh yeah. I mean, they have been since since before she had that baby. When she's like, "Oh my god, you remembered." I'm like, "Girl." <laughs> Who's all up on that? Who are you kidding? But he asked for consent first. And he even admitted it was a little weird. Probably shouldn't have asked, but he did ask to then place it. Because, like, you know, sometimes when, when folks are pregnant, it's like, oh, baby. And it's just like, no, you you asked before you touch someone. Mm-hmm. Weird. So, like, I've fallen into the TikTok black hole like so many people this year have and there's one right now where someone's like hey tell me about the moment that you realize that the bar is really low for men and so many of them are just like oh yeah like from uh either a male perspective or 
um, but also from the female perspective where a guy was like, hey, I'm really interested in you. And she goes, nah, thanks. And he goes, cool. All right. See ya. And she's just immediately like, you respected my wishes? Wait, come back. I think I want you. <laughs> and both men and women were like, I, that, that's how low the expectation is. Uh, yeah, my therapist told me this week, hey, you know, you don't have to give anybody credit for doing like the bare minimum of like respectable <laughs> human decency. And I was like, wow, exactly. don't attack me. <laughs> how rude. That's exactly it. I pay you for this. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. So yeah, so Henry and Duck both somehow simultaneously hitting the bare minimum, but it from different ways. Yeah, okay. So I like this date that they go on, but I don't love that he was like, Oh, we're gonna go on a hike, but he really never had time for it. Like I just I don't love that that is like because you set her up to feel like a disappointment and that's like Maybe, like, we don't know him that well, so maybe that's not manipulative, but, like, maybe it is. Maybe it is. But did she show up in hiking clothes? I don't think she had. That She's wearing what she has. <laughs> yeah. She Isn't looked that, great. I, and, I liked I her, her, her riding going on, like, a hike. Oh, she could have worn riding clothes. Yeah. And she wouldn't even let him walk her to his to her car. Yeah, that's true. Mm. but still i don't know if this is just an inconsistency yeah no <laughs> I was, so like my my read of that whole thing like in regarding to the the, the non-event of the hike was it was kind of like when you're you're chatting with someone and you're kind of planning and then sometimes like stuff can can come up and it's like you can do it but it's not a firm plan it's a loose plan and then you know the the work stuff came up with henry and he had to be in in buffalo for whatever the the fundraiser and stuff was so like my and we'll keep watching and and maybe there there was more kind of calculation in the changing the plan and pulling the audible like that um but that wasn't my initial read so i think that's that's interesting that it it could Mm. be it could be more innocent than I was. I was taking it for taking it at face value. And why was I more willing to take it at face value? Interesting. I'll have to unpack that. Mm. <laughs> As opposed to <laughs> Duck, who I take nothing at face value with. <laughs> but no, I guess I guess still staying on on Betty and I guess tying back we've talked about, you know, we'll get more into Dawn and the whole whole contract stuff in a bit, but we came up it a bit later. Um, we mentioned how Roger kind of, in some ways, plays kind of dirty pool, trying to get, you know, turn turn Betty against Don, not not even realizing that Don wouldn't tell Betty, and of course Betty would know that Don doesn't tell her. And when Don's explaining to Betty why he likes not having a contract, he says, "quote I have the power. They want me, but they can't have me." And then Betty responds, "You're right. Why would I think that had anything to do with me?" She was on fire in this conversation. Yeah. So good. And just I, th- I think about the last two and a half seasons of of Mad Men and, and where Betty started and where she's at now here. And like she fully realizes who Dawn is now. And I just I'm I'm curious to see where it'll go because we're we're about how we're well for yeah, no, we're half done the season now and you know, we've we've seen Betty on this path, we've seen her have this um we're halfway through the entire show actually 
Officially? Aren't we? So there's like seven seasons. But seven, mm-hmm. season We're seven's a little bit longer. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, wow. We're about halfway. Wow. Well, okay. So what, what's next for Betty after this episode? I, I'm curious to see what happens next. Yeah, it's a really big turn for her. And I... Oh, I was so frustrated. I mean, just me frustrated everyone all around in this episode, I guess. Uh, I hated Don for his whole, like, you make everything about you. Well, of course, because you're not doing anything about her right now. Well, and this, like, the emotional context of why he doesn't want to sign that contract is about her. Like, you guys are supposed to be married. Like, I loved when she was like, why would I? I don't know anything about your job or, like, whatever she says, like. I just, she was so, I mean, I already said this, but, like, she was just so on fire. And then, like, she's like, you don't, you can't sign a contract for three years? Like, you don't know where you'll be in three years? I feel like she's seen him. For one, she's, like, 100% reading him exactly correct. But I think it may be the first time that, like, she's really been like, are you fucking for real, dude? Like, you mm-hmm. really want to keep your options open? Like, you want to dip maybe in the next three years? And, like, yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah, I mean, within the next three hours will be a for debate, to be honest. Yeah. And one, I mean, you got to love Roger, who's so clueless about relationships and reading people that he's totally missed this this whole time. But I... Where was I going with this? <laughs> I don't know. Plus, you had... Don basically promising at the beginning of the season, like, no, I'm going to be more open. We're going to be, we're going to make it work. And she's seeing that, like, oh, his promises to make things work are just full of crap, first of all. Two, we had this moment that I I kind of liked in her non-date with Henry where he's just like, just so you know, I don't know if I can actually help, mm-hmm. but we're going to try. And she had this, like, little secret smile to herself where I don't know, it, it, like, barely flashes. And it's like, wow, someone actually, like, just told you the truth about his job and what his capabilities are. And... That was probably a really subtle but really nice moment for her where it's like, wow, someone can actually just do that. Just be honest. How strange. It's like bizarre in this world. Yeah. How did you end up as an advisor to the governor? (laughs) (laughs) Um, My thing with uh, my thing with. Henry, because, you know, Betty is always just constantly looking for someone to take care of her like her dad did. Would she be as interested in Henry or as receptive if she hadn't also just recent, sort of recently lost her father, who was her protector and kept warning her against shitty guys like Don? Mm-hmm. Like, shielding her eyes from the sun is so... Like, what a smooth move. And he wasn't, he didn't say, like, don't fucking look at the eclipse, you idiot. <laughs> like, I feel like. Like I did with Don. Yeah, exactly. And like I did with Betty. And he was like, it's completely rational for you to be overwhelmed and have to lie down. Look at this beautiful piece of furniture you could have about it. And she was like, oh, man, you see me. Yeah. You should, uh, you should attend to your needs, but also just, like, take up this enormous amount of space. Oh, it's so good. It's she is the star now. <laughs> That's a s- stupid Christmas meme. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone actually like the chair though? Because I didn't. It, no, it it's didn't. so. Oh, and, it, and it clashes like 
It looks terrible. It looks ridiculous. It's going to catch on fire if they ever have a fireplace. (laughs) It's a good thing they moved the end table, though, because now there's more room for it. Hey, that done. And it just it just felt like another and like I'm into it, but like you know how Madman sometimes with its symbolism is, is kinda like, oh the horseshoe fell over, all the luck's gonna run out now. <laughs> um you had the interior decorator telling you about the importance of like the hearth and it being the heart of the home and the heart of the room and, <laughs> yeah. and the warmth that's there. And then where does the, the chaise end up going? Right in the negative space they created for the hearth. Betty is here not going, it's me. Yeah. I'm the gift. More Although Christmas it's means. funny when you consider how coldly she treats her children sometimes. Oh my God. Like she really thinks that Bobby understands how the fucking phone works. Relax. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, it was so, now that, <laughs> now that you mention it, it is kind of like <laughs> back in the day when we didn't all have wireless phones. And everything was wired to the actual wall. And you're like, I want to have this phone call in privacy. How am I just going to switch to a different extension? She's like, I'm just, I just want to talk to this boy by myself. Um, what do you guys think of that moment, too, when she hung up the phone in, in the study and she checks the locked drawer? I thought she was seeing like, hmm, maybe Don's slipping. <laughs> See if I can get into this shit today. Because she just kind of rolled her eyes like, ugh. Still. Maybe next time. Oh, Betty. Well, did we want to move on to the Donald Draper section of the episode? Not really. He's annoying. (laughs) No, he really is annoying. But he did get relegated to the junior exec section of his office two times in this episode, and I loved it both times. (laughs) It was such a nice reminder, Don, you're not actually in charge, even though you think you have all the power. (laughs) Oh, I hated that moment so much because... Well, I mean, I love the moment really when um when Bert was basically reminding him like, guess what? You think you're hot shit, but that's because we've been supporting you this whole time. And he's giving Don the whole dressing down that Don probably thought he was giving Peggy. Mm-hmm. But this one was actually warranted. Yeah. 100%. The whole Don and and Bert relationship is interesting to me because Bert's function on like as Sterling Cooper and kind of the, you know, chairman emeritus and and things like that. It's like, he is almost like a pseudo like father figure to Don. And it's like, he can give him that, that kind of, you know, go to your room without supper. You're going to sign this, this contract. I know who you are. I know a little bit about you conversation. And like Don, like, respects that and like acquiesces so i thought that that's interesting especially in context of when don picks up the hitchhikers that end up beating him up in and robbing him and you know giving him sedatives and he sees he sees ghost dad um as a manifestation of of you know everything that he's he's running from both internally and, and everything else um it's 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 an interesting kind of contrast and especially how then don relates to well especially sally and and how he has a positive reaction and kind of looks like when when um he sees suzanne and sally together at at the uh, eclipse party and stuff like that the whole idea of like 
Don and fatherhood and father figures and how that impacts him and his relationship with his kids as we see most with kind of Sally as being the oldest it's it's interesting to me it is kind of amazing how he thinks he's a good dad but also at the same time he he sees his own father which is really just a manifestation of how he sees himself and it's like cool we get it you you hate yourself we get it we've gotten it we've had it you didn't have to take two reds to figure that shit out. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Plus, you're just stupid for doubling up on dosage when you're taking drugs from a stranger. Don't you know? While anything? he's driving. While and he's drinking. Driving. You deserve to get punched in the back of the head. <laughs> but no, that whole idea of like Don wanting power and wanting people to want him but can't, but can't have him. It's like he wasn't wanted by his dad and like he, that it's... That's why he, like, a large part of why he hates himself, right? Like, it just, and, like, mm-hmm. which doesn't, like, excuse any of his actions. Because, again, bro, like, go to therapy. Um, or, like, you know, be there for, like, the people in your life. And be there for yourself. Um, but, but yeah, it's not like I can, I see where it's coming from. And, like, it it sucks. But he's built up so much you know, narcissistic ego as, like, a coping mechanism that, like, I don't know if Don can ever be happy, right? Like, I don't know if he can ever be content. Um, I mean, certainly not with not doing any work Yeah, towards it. Yeah, right? And, like, I guess, I don't know, we're kind of jumping around here, so I apologize for that. But, like, he has that conversation with Carlton and Carlton being, you know, another Francine's husband and someone we've seen Don not like, and who he kind of compares himself to. And as we talked about before about the bar being so low for um, men a lot of the time and Carlton's like, Oh, Suzanne goes jogging. I go jogging. I get to be alone. I don't talk to her, but I, I notice her cause it's the code of the road. And, you know, I look at the sun every day and Don's like, you look at the sun, like it's dumb. You don't look at the sun. <laughs> But what does Don do at the end of this episode? Puts his sunglasses on and looks at a fucking eclipse, right? And it's just like, yeah. he ha- has the same destructive patterns that he despises in Carlton, that he probably despises in himself, but he's still driven to this whole kind of self-harm annihilation from his own, like, narcissism. And it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you telling me Don is a hypocrite? I would never would have figured that out. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Thanks, show. A Thanks for revelation. that. Thanks for pointing out a thing I never would have. Because it is that that paradox of super low self-esteem where somehow you just judge everyone for being so much dumber than you. But at the same time, you are complete shit. And hopefully no one will notice. Oh, is it fine for you to make the exact same bad choices if you are aware? <laughs> like, It was really funny, the look on his face, though, when Carlton was talking about seeing him uh, seeing uh, Suzanne on his runs because I'm like, Don, do you lo- suddenly look like you are thinking about taking up running? Don is like, do you talk to her? <laughs> What'd she say, bro? She say anything thing. about me? No, yeah. Because he, he wants to be like all cool and everything and he's different from the other dads. He's not even going to look have his own box and maybe he'll look later with a box. Don Draper is not going to be caught dead with a cardboard box on his head. <laughs> no. <laughs> and all credit for Suzanne for calling him out being like, yeah, but you're all like wearing the same shirt. So you all look the same to me. But I hate, I hate, I hate that for as clearly 
on his guard because she's calling him out there's that moment where he gives her that that don draper stare and there's a moment where you're like oh no oh no look away suzanne look away don't fall for it I feel really conflicted about that scene because on one hand, I'm like, girl, you are going way too hard with these accusations because it's like Don has done what you're accusing him of. But I don't necessarily think he was like doing it then. Like we could have all like you could have kept this conversation normal and none of the like it would have been normal. You know what I mean? And Don would have felt like he failed at his ploy. But the fact Mm -hmm. that she's like, oh, I get it. Now you now I know you're going to be here. I'm like, you didn't have to do that. So. Like, I kind of felt like the way that she was doing that was kind of like egging that on. Like, she was the one making that conversation happen. Like, you know, I don't know. And so then I was like, okay, Melissa, maybe stop judging her. Like, (laughs) is this just like internalized misogyny? But it's like also on another hand, I like, I kind of hope she is like, I kind of hope that she is like in control of what she's doing and that she is playing a game with Dawn. Like, Mm -hmm. that is something that I could think that, I don't know if she's going to do that successfully just because we know she's kind of in an emotional mess and that's not like a judgment on her. It's just like true. (laughs) My whole thing was because there is a moment where she does, I I thought, show some weakness where maybe she was still falling into it. So like it could also just be her like pointing it out because if not, she could fall for this same game. She's probably had this conversation multiple times before. And if someone's trying yeah. to gaslight you and being like, no, this isn't, that's not the conversation we're having. What better way to just completely, you know, open the curtains and shed light on things and be like, this is what's happening. I'm aware of it. I need you to know you're where I'm aware of it. And now I see you backing up. Yeah. Also, if anything happens between them going forward, which I feel like, well, you guys know, so I guess I'll speak for myself and say I feel like it's probably going to happen. Um, when it happens, uh, she's going to be 100% right, and Dawn's going to be basically admitting that she was right the whole time, and that's going to please me. So if to, for, Dawn, for Dawn to get her, which he wants, he's going to be admitting, yup, I am exactly like all of these people. I am exactly the book that you thought I was when you looked at my cover <laughs> unless unless Don decides to completely change his personality and have a real relationship with her but uh <laughs> I do not see that happening well once he goes to the therapist and seriously takes his um you know takes seriously his emotional journey <laughs> for sure for sure for sure uh one another thing that i really enjoyed was conrad hilson i'm still not sure how i feel about connie because he's just kind of an ambiguous kind of figure to me but and he's got that john waters mustache that just distracts me to no end (laughs) every time i see it but i love that when he comes into like this whole thing was just people calling don out all episode and that was i think why it felt so gratifying for me Mm mm-hmm with Bert and then Suzanne but Connie comes in he's sitting at in Don's seat and as you pointed out (laughs) like a boss because he is he's friggin Conrad Hilton and he points out to Don like I don't know what bothers me more that you don't have a bible or that you don't have pictures of your family and he he just has Don's number 
not by what's in the office, by, but by what's missing. Mm-hmm. And I love it. And then when Don's trying to play it all cool and chill but, uh, uh, about everything, you know, like, oh, maybe I was late because I was at home reading the Bible with my family. And Connie's just like, I'm not playing this game. Are Got you? Ter- it. It's like, he's just like, are you nervous? Because I'm finding it really hard to talk to you. The vibe between them is so different than from when they met um, at that party because back then it was just two strangers talking about being poor and how like weird rich people are now connie is conrad hilton and they are where don has to pretend to be don draper a hotshot ad man on madison avenue wow i didn't realize i felt that strongly about it sorry i just went off (laughs) (laughs) no i love it it's all i think he's gonna be around for a while i actually don't even remember yeah but i love that he's just here very like low key, sowing chaos. I love that Don was just like, "Oh, it's gonna be fine if having you in my life changes me." I'm like, Don, you were not chill about any of this, and it was day <laughs> one. Like you are handling it badly. And he kind of calls him out on that too, going like, "Yeah, that's what they all say." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, maybe I just, maybe I really do love Conrad. Just another person, just letting Don know, sir. You ain't shit. <laughs> is he memor he's is he a memorable character for you, uh, Matt? Conrad Hilton? Um mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean in a large part because he's Paris Hilton's great grandfather, but you know, other than that, no the I, most, the, here with the most important facts yeah. here. <laughs> this will be my like n- answer non answer. I am curious to finish the season and then looking back having rewatched all 13 episodes in season three and then you know into into season four um have a conversation about conrad hilton then and his function in this season and if he he continues on i don't i don't know if i've seen enough yet to um to comment on it being as memorable as some of the other things I remembered kind of from the show. Like I, I remembered Conrad Hilton being a character and, and being into and kind of, you know, the things that happen even as coming up as, as recently as, as the next episode that relate to, to stuff with Conrad Hilton. And of course I found him memorable. Mm-hmm. And again, it is Conrad Hilton and Madman doesn't give us historical like figures of like real people a lot. So I think, that's kind of unique in the context of the show, but uh, mm-hmm. I want to finish the season before I kind of comment on what I think his like function is and if he's memorable in in that sense, like um, how Bobby Barrett is a, a, a character in season two that I find memorable, right? Or Rachel Macon I find memorable. I and yeah, it's kind of interesting to put that in in that context of affairs Don's had in previous seasons and functioning as roles in, in those seasons as being informative to Don's identity. So maybe maybe Conrad's a different flavor of that this year. I don't know. We'll have to keep watching. The anti affair. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I just wanted to point out, I'm going to assume, and I'm sorry for assuming, but when Conrad came in and started talking about uh having needs and stuff that we all just thought is he talking is he here to ask don about advice about having an affair i found that like really difficult to parse when he was talking about like um like having a wandering eye or like whatever i was that's 
I did think like a fair and like he said that he was in an I don't think he said entanglement but something similar yeah <laughs> that's like you know what but then when he was like I'm gonna give you I'm going to give you the New York hotels to do the advertising for because my eyes wandering at that point. I was like, okay, now I'm confused about what you're insinuating here, sir. Like what does Don <laughs> doing your advertisement have to do with? Yeah. It seemed like it was inelegantly like set up to, yeah. to make us think that. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think like functionally within the story, I think Conrad has clocked Don. He had, asked around because he, he found out who Don was and where he worked before. We know, again, to invoke Bobby Barrett a second time on, on this episode, that Don does have a reputation despite all his, you know, time and effort to kind of control his own PR. Um, and yeah, I think as as we've been talking about, Connie's clocked who Don is and it was putting Don in, in the hot seat and then using that as a segue, whether... Connie was satisfied with the answers he got or or not. Um, we'll see. But yeah, I think it was him testing Don and, and hot seating him for sure. Yeah. And I hate that the show like knows that we're just conditioned to think that every man is just talking about cheating. Aren't Actual they? cheating. What? <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, um, um, what was it? And the other thing I wanted to point out was was how Bert brought up um, when he had Don finally sign the contract of uh, oh what did he actually say hold on I did have it down mm. oh when it comes down to it who's really signing the contract anyways Oof. a line sir it was a line <laughs> Who indeed? And, yeah, and it's to me, um oh, I forgot the actor's name. He played it so neutrally that in my head I couldn't figure out is this more of a kindness where he's like, I know you have commitment problems, this is your out, you're not actually the one who's signing it, or is it threatening it of like sign it or everyone's gonna know? I don't think it was like sign it or everyone's gonna know. I think it was more like sign it. Um, or like you are not the hottest shit like I will you know what I mean like <clears throat> I don't think the threat was like outing him to use like a not very eloquent phrase for like the situation Um, but I think it was more like listen I know this thing about you I think you should just sign it because you really aren't like as tough as you think that you are mm. like I think it was coercive I don't know if it was a threat but it was definitely like that come on like get out of your own way sign it like you know what i mean like it's i think he was coercing him a bit i don't know whether Bert cares enough to like say don draper isn't who he thinks he is but i think it was definitely a coerce. it was somewhere it was coercive somewhere between kindness but not really like it was i don't know if it was a threat but it was definitely coercive yeah, I think I what I mean is like I think the threat was not to tell everyone that he's Dick Whitman. The threat was him like losing his job. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, it was now I'm thinking about it like or also it's just kind of a power play. <laughs> I know you better. I know better. I don't know. 
It also, was. I like, love that delivery though, because it is so ambiguous. Yeah, for sure. And it's just because, like, I feel like uh, Burt Cooper doesn't do this type of thing a lot. So, like, when he leaves his office to come, like, do a thing, I think people are probably like, "Oh shit! All right, <laughs> this is this is real." I love it, especially because he's like. Mr. Thinking about things and not wearing my shoes because that's what the people in the East do kind of guy. I have a lot more affection for Bert this go around, I have to say. He's just like such a weird old dude. <laughs> well, it's funny when he calls Conrad Hilton an eccentric and then Roger, Don, and Lane all kind of like, okay, yeah, Bert. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh-huh. he's, like, he's, he's eccentric. <laughs> Don't know anyone like that. That was, that was kind of a fun moment. He's still um. wearing his shoes. <laughs> Well, it's funny that you mentioned Lane and because earlier, you know, you were talking about the characters that have been more memorable for you, Matt, and the ones who've influenced the story and who stuck out for you because Lane is one of those people for me, but we've barely seen him up until now, aside from an episode here or there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he's definitely like, it's which is interesting because he's one of the characters when I think about Mad Men as like characters, he definitely stands out to me too, having seen it all. Um, and I think and there are a couple definitely a... yeah 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 there's definitely a reason like a specific reason for it but I I just remember having so much affection for him even early on and I'm like where where are you buddy yeah come back more of you please <laughs> yeah I think that was ambiguous enough for you Melissa Speaking of more of, I, like, know Joan. Is she really gone? That cannot, she can't be. Don't I'm say just, anything. I'm just <laughs> laughing because I, I, every time she comes up now, I remember your reaction to her early on in the show. I, oh, I know, I know, I know. I didn't like her. It's, it's fantastic. No, I, I love it. I love I it. I didn't trust her. Um, yeah, where's she at, though? Where's Ken <laughs> Cosgrove? Not loitering outside Don's office when he comes to work late, because he knows the damn rules. <laughs> <laughs> Did we talk about Don acting like he actually truly runs in the same social circle as Conrad Hilton? No, we didn't. Because that's, that's good. I think that's funny. He's oh. like, oh, we run in the same circles. I ran into him at a party. Like, he says that to Roger. He literally ran into him. <laughs> technically Roger's party it's Roger's circles that that you were running in but no I it's another thing that I loved about about Connie appearing and how they met versus how John like portrays it because John doesn't want to admit that would like oh we were bonding about being poor together it was like he he wants to seem mysterious and like he went after this account he was just like Hey, you got what I need. I'm going to make you want me back. <laughs> it's it's so much bullshit from Don and his whole weird act, this person that he's trying to be and to see someone as powerful and known as Conrad appearing and it's just sort of all quietly crumbling around him. Yeah, this was not a great time for old Don Draper. But what are you going to do? I mean, 
Remember when um, Don Draper was like the star protagonist and hero of the show? Do I personally? Not exactly. <laughs> <laughs> do you, Matt? Do you remember us being more sympathetic to Don when this when this all was coming out? Back, like, yeah, because it's part of that whole like like the anti-hero, like Tony Soprano, Breaking Bad, sort of, you know things there and he was kind of right in right in the middle of that so like i i do within its it's like context and it's like i do find some of this stuff like interesting and like i understand why he makes the choices and decisions that he does which are not like retweets are not endorsements but like as we've talked about before um i it totally is valid and if you're watching the show listeners or or couldn't watch the show or don't watch media where like these tropes continue to come out again because there's way they're they're not definitely not in short supply in our world um that's that's totally fair but yeah the the show on the whole i think expects us to be on don's side still more than i actually am and i think we are kind of as a podcast but yeah i definitely remember don that's a nice red flag for anyone out there uh, on the dating apps. Anyone who who thinks that Don Draper is his hero, maybe swipe left. Um, yeah. Or like that time in New Girl when Schmidt makes his office an exact replica of Don Draper's. <laughs> like Schmidt is problematic um, other times than that, but that's just like a sly red flag on Schmidt. <laughs> just, just a bit of one, just a bit of one. I have a long list of red flags, but that's definitely one of them. Well, it's, it's like a Fight Club poster in someone's bedroom, right? Like where it's like, I think a lot, a lot of times it's like, I know, or a Joker avatar on Twitter where it's like, it's not that like you can't watch Fight Club or can't watch Batman and like, you know, you're going to be like, a bad person or or you know whatever whatever it's just people latch on to the wrong things right it's like watching the wolf Mm -hmm. of wall street and thinking that like jordan belfort is like the hero and that like scorsese's like endorsing it it's like no that's not what that movie is saying you know what i mean or at least trying to say like frustrating about that argument is that like jordan belfort has a career as like a public speaker i know i know it's like hard to convince people that like he's a shitty person you shouldn't listen to him (laughs) no No, the fight club is definitely a a good is a good example you're like it is objectively a pretty good film about toxic masculinity based on a book about a gay man or written by a gay man but i feel like those are not the reasons why you like it yeah uh yeah like is your favorite show breaking bad do you have time to fill out my questionnaire about why that is <laughs> uh bits bobs bits and bobs how about bits and bobs so firstly i have a question that i was trying to remember all throughout watching the episode that eclipse where the current sitting president looked at the eclipse that was just last year right in 2019 that was fairly recently or was yeah. that 2018 I couldn't remember. Oh my what God, is time? I completely forgot about that. I could Google it, but it was more fun to ask you too. I remember there was something about some idiot who was looking at the eclipse somewhat recently, and I could not remember what, who or what it was. 
the whole entire president of the United States of America. <laughs> that maybe it was 2017, maybe it was 2018, maybe it was 2019. I don't remember now. I should look that up. Um, all right. Recently Ma- enough. Yeah. I mean, you could tell yeah. me it was this year and I'd probably believe you because I still think it's March and it's almost next March. All right. Um, not to date this recording too much. The other thing I wanted to point out, because I do have a couple this week, so I hope you guys like bits and or bobs. Um, Henry makes reference to his master's voice with Betty. And Betty's like, oh, yes, I know things. I know what that is. His master's voice is a trademarked slogan for, uh, for RCA, EMI, and JVC. It references a 1908 advertisement in which a dog sits in front of a gramophone and cocks his head as it's implied he's hearing his master's own voice on the gramophone, which itself, the 1908 ad, was based on an oil painting by Francis Berard, of which it wasn't a gramophone, it was like whatever, it was just before the gramophone. And it's also where the British music store and or retailer that used to be in Canada and isn't anymore, don't know if it still exists in the UK or in the States, HMV derives its name from. And lastly, on Matt's list of fun facts for bits and bobs, there is a rever... Lastly, on Matt's fun facts for bits and bobs this week, there is a real reservoir in Osling, New York. However, a water tower was never built. And according to my research and my sources, it's no longer used for drinking water, but it's a nice park that you can, you know, skate on in the winter and there are picnic tables and all sorts of fun stuff like that. Oh, Nice. Well, that's nice. Uh, we drink that water. Um, my bit and Bob is that Roger is the worst. I'm glad he's finally officially canceled by Don because he makes yes. like a rape joke. Fuck you. Fuck whoever wrote that in this episode. Bye. Band. Roger's the worst. I would totally put it in my contract too. Well, unofficially that um, I will do this if I don't have to talk to Roger again. It, I cannot wait. I know we're not. Well, I don't know anything, but I assume we're not going to get to see Roger find out that Don has contractually agreed to no more contact with him. <laughs> That's going to be like whiplash for his little dumb ass because they like just made up. <laughs> it's going to be good. God, I would love that scene. Again, yeah. I remember nothing <laughs> other than a few lane moments from like now on. Well, we'll find out. Can't wait. Until then, though. Melissa, where can we find you on the internet? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Mellow Yellow, which is M-E-L-L-O-O-Yellow. Or you can find me co-hosting the Wild Pretty Things podcast, which is also coming back from a very short unplanned hiatus. Um, and we are talking about just like uh, recent TV and movies that we've caught up with, but specifically uh, the Maisie Williams, HBO Max, Two Weeks to Live, and then the Sarah Paulson Hulu movie run. So that'll be over there. Awesome. Matt, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at at Mattyhugh, M-A-T-T-Y-H-U-G-H, where I am pretty much just tweeting through it. And then there's the odd membership post. Cool. <laughs> uh, you can also find me on Instagram at uh, Pop Artery, P-O-P-A-R-T-E-R-Y. You can also find me on my other podcast, The Daily Nightly, spelled with a K, where we just talk about Jane Austen all the time. We recently 
did all a huge number of Pride and Prejudice adaptations, and we're going to be tackling Mansfield Park next. Please feel free to email us at stillgreatbob at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at stillgreatpod. We would also appreciate it if you would rate and review us on the podcasting system of your choice. It helps other people find our blues ring nonsense about this awesome show. And a special thank you to DJ Empirical for our pretty rad tunes at the beginning and end of the episode. Yeah. Till next time, guys. Bye. Later days. Oh my god, do we get to see Paris Hilton in this show? <laughs>